last of three talks uh, about faith. You may not remember the, last, the first two talks. This one is about Gideon. The last two was, first one was about Abraham and faith and how Abraham become fully persuaded that we can go through a process of being persuaded about the things of God and that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Abraham believed in resurrection. We read that in the New Testament. And he certainly did that because he knew that God would raise Isaac from the dead if he were to take his life. The second talk was on Joshua and faith and how the Joshua stood before Jericho and God said to him, I see, I have given you this city. And Joshua believed in faith and subsequently got the victory over that. And this talk is about Gideon. And you can give 20 talks on faith. There's just so much. The whole book for me is about faith. Maybe for others, about the love of God and others for victory. And so it represents different things to us. But for me, it's a document of faith. And I just see very many faithful men and women living out their lives. And those actions are recorded for us in the Bible to enjoy and as a witness to what they did for God and how we can be encouraged by what they did. So Gideon means warrior, but he didn't start like that. So Hebrews 11 verse 32, and it says, What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth, and also David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness was made strong, became valiant in fight and turned to fault flight the armies of the strangers. So out of weakness was made strong is really the sub-theme for this talk. And we see as we'll go through how God did a mighty work through this man, though of himself he considered himself to be weak. But God had a totally different perspective of him. And that's, that's really the Bible, isn't it? We have perceptions of ourselves, and yet God perceives us completely different. God uses this word called belov. He loves the world, but for the saints of God, it's belov, which is a more personal statement about the love of God towards us. God loves the world. It is the agape love. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. But we read in Ephesians this phrase, beloved. So we are in this very special spot of being loved by God and cherished by him. So Gideon says of himself in Judges 6 and verse 15, and he said to him, O my Lord, with what shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So they had no wealth of any substance, and he was maybe the youngest, I guess, if he was the least in his father's house. Not much to speak of. And yet we read in a few verses earlier what God and how God perceives Gideon. In Judges 6 and verse 6 and verse 12, and it says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty men of valor. Now that's a phrase we have heard often. And that's what a phrase is used for Gideon, you mighty man of valor. So today, we are to, to, so today we are going to learn why he was called that. 
And it wasn't because he was the strongest of the strong. And in fact, the opposite was true. So Gideon asked four signs of God in sequence, not all at the same time, but they were four things that he asked of God. I call them four signs. Uh, and that really was the process of conversion for him, going from a poor family and the least in the poor family to a mighty man of valor. And so he went through a process of conversion, of being persuaded. And so let's just read those four signs in Judges chapter 6 and verse 21. The first is a fire from the rock, and I'll explain what these signs mean and how they relate to us. So Judges chapter 6 and verse 21, And then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there arose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So the first sign was fire from the rock. The second and third sign in the one set of scriptures, I call them two and three, is down in verse 37 of Judges 6. And behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and if it be dew on the fleece alien, and it be dry upon the earth beside, then you shall know that I'll save Israel by my hand, as you said. And it was so, and he rose up early in the morning and, and thrust this fleece together and wringed out the dew out of the fleece full of water. And down in verse 39, uh, he does the, the opposite. So there we've got the fleece and the water, second and third signs. And the fourth is in Judges chapter 7, verse 12. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number, as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dream a dream. That's been quoted by other famous people in the world. I dream a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the, the tent lay along. So barley bread is a poor man's bread. It's bread that uh, those who don't have much money can afford the, the grain and to make bread from it. So it's really a bread of the lowly, if you like. And this is what breaks down the tent. This insignificant uh, loaf of barley bread that the least breaks down the strong. And that is the theme, that re the sub-theme that re we read through Gideon becomes this recurring theme, theme of um, the lowly gaining the victory over the strong through humility. And it goes on in verse 14. And this fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel, for into his hand has God delivered Midian and all the host. And in verse 15, And so it was, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation of it, that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel, uh, and said, "Arise, for the Lord has delivered you into uh, your delivered into your hand the host of Midian." So, to this point, there was four signs, and it was a process of persuasion for Gideon, just as 
Abraham was persuaded, I think, by looking at the heavens, maybe by the testimony of those that went before him, the faithful brothers and sisters. Gideon became persuaded by the signs. So what are the meaning, what is the meaning of the four signs? So the first sign is fire. Doesn't take much to work that one out. We receive the fire of the Holy Ghost. The second is a fleece, which I'll talk about. The third is water and a the fourth is barley tumbling down the hill. So as I said, the first is fire, and we are baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, and we have this fire dwelling within us that consumes those things which are contrary to God, fire of the Holy Spirit. The fleece, the second one, comes from what? Pop quizzes, always a pop quiz, got a pop quizzes. Comes from a sheep. And to get a fleece off the sheep, you pretty well have to kill the sheep. So it's a sacrifice, the shedding of blood. So we have this fleece offering, if you like, a sacrifice, which represents blood and cleansing. The Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, that's Jesus Christ. So already we're seeing this pattern that God used with Gideon and he uses with us to take us from the lowly, and creates us into mighty men and women of valor, though we never feel like that, I don't think ever. But that's the way God perceives us, and that's what he can do through us. The third, being water on the fleece, is water baptism. Jesus was baptized in water. How can you refuse water baptism? I don't understand anybody who can refuse water baptism if Jesus was indeed baptized in water. And the fourth, of course, is the barley life, which represents humility. Humility, not a very popular word. Humility, be humble. It's always seize the day and grab the day and be victorious and all these other things. When the Bible tells us that we should be clothed in humility and to be sober about how we think about ourselves, not to run ourselves down, not to be condemned about who we are, but not to be a big head either. But to know who we are in Jesus Christ. So these four signs translate into making this mighty man, going from the least in a poor family to taking on the army, the enemies of Israel. And so let's pick up that story, how he did that. So Judges 7 and verse 19, And so Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had put... They had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right to blow with all, and, the, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So trumpet in the right hand, broken vessel in the left. So there's, of course there's wonderful symbolism in this as well, that the broken vessel, which is us, is broken in a sense in terms of repentance, that we repent of those things in our life. And there's lots of things to repent over, you know. We can have some unbelief in our heart or things that have happened to us and we just, just say, sorry, Lord, help me. And that's it. We have this change in mind. That is the change in mind. We recognize what we've done wrong and we ask the Lord to help us not rocket science, 
So that is the broken vessel that as we stay in that place of repentance, the light of God continues to shine. So the broke the vessels, the lamp, and the light shone from the vessel. This is the light of God that dwells within the spirit-filled person. Uh, in Philippians 4 and verse 13, and it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, all those things which are necessary for your walk. You may not be able to swim the Atlantic, but you'll be do. God will give you the things to be able to do in your walk, whatever that may be. I think that's maybe more of the context of that scripture. We can do all those things uh, which Christ has ordained in our life, and he strengthens us. And this allows our light to continue to shine, the broken vessel. And this flesh is broken. There's no question about it. It's not going to, flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not going to go into heaven. God gives us a new body because this flesh is wicked. It's sin, this flesh that you and I dwell in, this tabernacle, this body, this, this um, carcass that we carry around is passing away and we rejoice in it. So we allow the light of God to shine in us and the trumpet of God in our hands, which is the word of God from our lips, combined with our testimony and the light and the word. This is what we represent to the world. This will represent to, inverted commas, enemies. So I want to touch a bit upon humility, which is the fourth sign. That is the poor man's bread, the barley loaf that tumbled down the hill and took out the tenths of the enemy enemy giving them the victory. Humility is this constant theme in Gideon. God selects Gideon as the least. God takes 32,000 down to 300, so they wouldn't think too much of themselves. God uses barley, as I've made a few comments already. Uh, God takes these broken vessels so the light of God can shine. So there's definitely this theme Gideon was his mighty man of valor because he recognized his weakness and God's strength. We read in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. None of us like being weak. But the Bible says that when we are in that state, that God can get through to us. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities. Well, I'm working to that position. I don't really glory in my infirmities, glory in sickness or in trouble or offense or any of those sorts of things. I don't glory in those things, but the Bible says that I should because when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the way God thinks. God thinks completely different to the carnal, natural mind of man, which is good. Strength is made perfect in weakness. Jehoshaphat said in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's a statement of humility. That comes from a place of, well, we have no chance against these enemies coming against us. But, this wonderful statement of faith. Our eyes are upon you, Lord. We trust you. We are looking to you for deliverance. We don't understand what will happen. We don't have all the answers, but God will deliver us. 
Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5, For I am the vine, and you are the branches, and he that abides in me, and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. There's a statement. Without God, we could do nothing. Without the indwelling presence, power, and blessing of the Holy Ghost, would you be sitting here? Well, I can guarantee you one thing. I wouldn't be standing here talking from the Word of God. I can guarantee that without the power and presence of the Holy Ghost in my life. So without me, you can do nothing. An absolute true statement. It's good to recognize these things in ourselves, that we look to God in everything, that God is our answer in all things, that we don't rely upon our own intellect and strength, personality, ability to overcome, but rely on him. In, in our weakness, we are made strong. We can consider other weak instruments that God has used. Samson used the jawbone of a donkey to defeat the enemy. David used five smooth stones to take down Goliath, though he only used one of those stones. And one of the great things about the story of David is that he ran at Goliath. He didn't sort of just stand there and sort of shuffle his feet a bit and, you know, load up the stone into the sling and, oh, I'm not sure about this. He ran at him. Such confidence. Or this, the concept of this little mustard seed of faith. All these things, you can see this sort of theme about the small becoming strong. And in God's universe, that is a great thing. The little that we have in the greatness of God is probably the theme, if you like. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. I'll give a moment for your brains to catch up. It's like buffering, isn't it? In IT and computing, you buffer all this information. Hopefully you remember 5%. That'd be very good if you did that. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world. So who loves to be called foolish? Not. Don't like being called foolish. But the Bible says that I am foolish to confound the wise, and that God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty. The mighty look upon us and go, you are weak Christians, when they absolutely miss the whole point. We are strong in this world. You have to be strong to stand up and believe, I believe in Jesus Christ. That is a statement of faith, and that is a statement of strength, because the world is becoming more and more anti-God particularly in the Western world, not so much in third world countries, which is really an offence to call them third world countries because they're the countries that want to follow God. They're really the first world countries and we're the third world country in terms of faith. So Gideon recognised his own weakness and God was able to use him. So if you're struggling, the Bible says, rejoice, for in weakness comes strength. This contradiction. That is the Bible, these opposites that are always in the Bible. That is one of them. So as we know, we started with fire, the death of the lamb, water, and humility. And this is really a type of the New Testament saint. This is how God creates the born-again experience through those three things. Repentance and water baptism and infilling the Holy Ghost and all possible through the sacrifice and the shedding of blood of Jesus Christ. 
obvious parallel to us. We are baptized in water. I found baptism in water very humbling. It really did humble me to be baptized in water and to have somebody lay their hands on me, to get on my knees and to pray. I've never done that in my life. And that was hard. But that's what I did. And in humility, God wonderfully blessed me with the Holy Ghost as he does with all of us. Gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost and fire. So let's read that scripture. Luke 3 and verse 16. The Old Testament is this schoolmaster to teach us things. And all the lessons of the Old Testament we can apply to ourselves. And this is just another one that we are doing. So Luke 3 and verse 16, and John answered and saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes, uh, the latches whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So if you feel uncomfortable when you hear some aspects of the word of God, that is the fire of the Holy Ghost burning and makes you uncomfortable. The word of God sometimes makes us uncomfortable, there's no doubt about it, but it's good for us. So don't fight it. If you're fighting the word of God, challenging you, the mirror that God holds up to us, don't walk away from the mirror and forget what person we are. The fire of the Holy Spirit. So we are the New Testament equivalent of the mighty man of valor, the mighty woman of valor. And that scripture, and that is rephrased in the following scripture, Romans 8, verse 37, it says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So God is saying the same thing about us. You are mighty men and women of valor. You are more than conquerors. It's the same language. And conqueror means to gain a decisive victory. Let's look at some other scriptures on humility. Matthew 19 and verse 30. I'll just read these to you if you like. Um, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Matthew 18 and verse 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore humbles himself as a little child the greatest is in the kingdom of God. The same is greatest in the kingdom of God. We all started out weak. Didn't know God, no clue. Particularly in the Western world. But through water and blood and fire and humility, we recognize and come to know God. And the mystery is revealed to us, our brother spoke about. This mystery of life gets revealed to you and I. We understand our purpose. We understand why we are here. We are here to follow God. It all becomes revealed in that moment of humility when you get baptized and you seek God on your knees for the Holy Spirit. And then we become these conquerors, these mighty men and women of valor. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. 